Hey, everybody, how we doing tonight? Okay. That is awesome. Hey, so Clemson FCA, thank you. Thank you, Elijah. I'm, I'm so pumped to be here with you guys tonight. My name is Lee McDermott, and I've been uh, one of the pastors at New Spring Church for 22 years. So that, is, uh, that was my, my job coming right out of college. I, I finished up, I started at Clemson, and then I went to Anderson to finish up after being called into the ministry. And my first day on the job at New Spring Church was like literally the day after I graduated from college which was just a whirlwind and amazing. And I have so many fond memories of being right here. Like I've, I've led worship here a ton of times and God affected me uh, in a massive way here uh, at Clemson FCA. So this is a really special thing. And so to all the Clemson FCA leadership, I just want to say thank you guys for inviting me to do this. This is a real privilege. Hey, I, I want to encourage you guys first, before we dive into this subject that I've been given, which is the reconciliation of the bride and the bridegroom, which when Madeline called me and was like, hey, Lee, we would like for you to talk about the reconciliation of the bride and bridegroom, I was kind of like, oh, we're going that deep, are we? We're going into those waters. And I, w- I was really pumped about that, that number one, that you would have a leadership team that would think along those lines. But number two, I think this is going to be a really, uh, I-, I think you are a flammable group of people tonight, and I will explain why. I think the fire of the Holy Spirit is going to come and touch some of you guys tonight, and that some of you, before you walk out of here, you are going to say with the psalmist, Psalm 73, he says, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This kind of first love devotion, this kind of deep DNA level passion for Jesus, for the man himself, this is a part of your inheritance, Clemson FCA. This is a part of who you are. You are here at a public university at this particular critical moment in your budding adult life, and you happen to be on a Thursday when you could be pumping a float out there. You're in here. You're in here. Why? Because something inside of you, some of you know, I mean, it's Jesus. But some of you, you're just like, I just, I want more than the experience of my five senses in the world. I want something deeper, something richer. I want something to live for beyond myself. Some of you are in here because that cutie in my class down my hall is going, and so I'm just going to try to go too. It's okay, we can be honest in a space like this. But this is for real. This, I, I, wanna, I want to encourage you guys. You, there's something inside you that will change the world. And I know you probably have people tell you that, yeah, you, you guys are going to change the world. But I want to tell you seriously that the hand and attention of Almighty God is on you tonight. And I think he has something to say to you. So let's pray together. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lift a prayer from the scriptures that I would like for us all to, to look at. So it's totally okay if you keep your eyes open while, while I open in prayer, but it'll be here on the screen. It's from the Song of Songs, chapter 8. So let's pray together, and then I'm going to pray this blessing over you guys as we dive in to share some thoughts about the reconciliation of the bride and the bridegroom. Abba, Father, you're the best. I thank you. God, for the 
power of your word, for the way that you continually draw us deeper into you, which is that place where we find ourselves the most fully alive. Would you give us an exclusive devotion for you? Thank you, God. We pray this from the scriptures. Abba, Father, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. Come, Holy Spirit, and would you set us ablaze, each and every one of us, and let us burn for you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. All right, y'all. Hey, I want to share with you guys my Clemson story. So I came to Clemson University. I grew up in Aiken, class of 1995, South Aiken High School, thoroughbreds. Are there any thoroughbreds in the house? All right. One, right in the middle. Are you serious? Are you from Aiken? Yeah. He's like that's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. What was your dad's name? Yes. Tell your dad I said, what's up? Wow, that is a blast from the past, and that really blessed me and seriously dated me uh, right there. I was, um, that is amazing. Scotty Butts, man, blast. Uh, yeah, please tell Scotty I said, what's up? Please, please do that for me. That would be amazing. All right, so, my, so as I was saying, 1995, I came to Clemson University. I was a chemical engineering major. Any chemies in here? Wow, I feel sorry for y'all. Um, but that, it, was, uh, it, that, it was an amazing, amazing time, and um, I had no idea that God was at work in my life. Um, I, I grew up in a Christian home in, in Aiken, great church experience. I mean, kind of a ministry family. My granddaddy was in the ministry, and very quickly when I got to Clemson, I ran the other way from what I had grown up in and, um, you know, just sort of turned my back on God, faith, everything else like that. And I joined a fraternity, which I discovered is not here anymore, which was really shocking news. Evidently, uh, I, don't, I don't think this is true, but Lambda Chi Alpha does not exist on Clemson's campus anymore, but it did back when I was here. That was the fraternity that I was in. And little did I know that God was after me in those moments. When I was a member of Lambda Chi, the, the, I, I won't share any of this, but the nuts and bolts of the initiation ritual as a pledge was scripture. It was scriptures. And screaming out at me from the pages of things that we had to learn as pledges in this fraternity. So we're like doing all of our normal fraternity things, and here comes the word of God getting after me through this. And then I have this upper room experience in my dorm room. I was, I was living in Holmes Hall, room 401. Is there anybody in here who currently lives in that dorm room? You, now that's got to be a joke. Are you serious? You live in Holmes Hall 401? Not 401. <laughs> wow. This is an amazing evening already. Um, okay, so, so as I was saying, I had this revelatory upper room level experience 
where I had come by and large to the end of myself and was laying in my loft and I was terrified that I had failed at everything and was going to have to like, I don't know. I, I, I just, I was, I was gripped with fear. And in that moment, December 1996, laying in my dorm room in, this, in, the, in that moment of panic before my Kimmy final the next day, I heard the voice of God speak in my spirit, like a voice in the mind, say, leave it all behind. And with a rush, I felt like the entire universe's worth of love and compassion flooded my body. And I knew everything was going to be okay. And then next morning, I get down out of my loft, dust off the Bible I had taken with me to college. You know, first thing I read, Philippians just happened to be the first, first one. I'm reading in chapter one, boom, verses 20 and 21 stopped me dead in my tracks. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that now as always with full courage, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And in that moment, fear took a quick exit from my dorm room. And I realized if I have Jesus and I have nothing else, I am impossibly rich. But if I have all of the world, if I have a secure career and everything is nice and neat and white picket fence and all that business, but I don't have Christ and I'm not following him, then I have less than dust on the scales. All of my mathematical stuff that I learned in high school, my engineering you know, training up to that point, I understood the concept of infinity. It was a very real thing for me. And I understood that God was infinite and God was love. And this idea that God being infinitely valuable came screaming into my consciousness. And what I understood in that moment was really just kind of basic math. Infinity is a value that keeps on expanding. God is that. Jesus is God. If I've got him, I have something of infinite worth in my life. And if I don't have that, any number, I mean, you could have the largest amount of wealth possible, any finite number, no matter how big you can count it, when compared with infinity, may as well be what? Zero. It's math. It's just math. And that was a turning point in my life that was absolutely pivotal. I felt this call to ministry, went and, and uh, um, transferred to Anderson College, started to study music because I felt called to use my musical gifts to be able to build a church. Started up with this tiny little church called New Spring in uh, 2000. There were like 100 people there the first Sunday I ever led worship, and it just exploded into this, this huge thing. And along the way, God stamped me with this psalm, Psalm 84, that became this lifeblood, this sort of extension and expansion of that song, of that Philippians 1, 21, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I mean, all that fear, all that anxiety, all that desire to win my, my parents' approval. Here I had Abba Father, the creator of the universe himself, saying, I love you, my son. Just come with me. Follow me. I'll take care of everything. And so I could say then with the psalm, how lovely is your dwelling place. O Lord of hosts, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. 
Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Behold our shield, O God, and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts, a day with you, is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Those 11 verses, those, those 11 or 12 verses became my middle name. They became my DNA, this desire, this flame of love for God that was ignited there in Holmes Hall 401. And it's made, in preparing this for you guys, it's made me think about another upper room. You know, the one in Acts chapter 2, the 120 who were waiting there for those 10 days. If you read Acts chapter 1, what you see is the, uh, Jesus presented himself to the, to the apostles and to the, the 120 uh, after his resurrection for 40 days. For 40 days, the real living God himself, resurrected Jesus, was like right there with everybody. And for 10 days, they went up to the upper room after his ascension and they just waited. Day one, nothing. Day two, nothing. Because Jesus had told them, go to Jerusalem and just stay there and wait for the thing that I'm going to give you. And so day one, day two, day three, nothing. Day four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, Pentecost. Here comes, sound like a rushing wind and fire. Fire. Amazing. This flame, this is the echo of that song of songs prayer that we prayed. For love is as strong as death, and its flames, like, it's, it's a burning thing. It's a real thing. We all understand it. I mean, it's, you don't have to be so, you know, like, engineering mindset in order to understand what passion feels like, what the real sense of the Holy Spirit's presence feels like. So when we think about the reconciliation of the bride and bridegroom, there is a flame that is there. So side note, before we go any further, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about flames in the Bible. Where else are flames in the Bible? And this is kind of a rabbit trail I wanted to chase to become a challenge for you guys here at Clemson FCA. But there's another flame in the Old Testament with Moses. You know, remember, he's out on the backside of the mountain of God, and he bumps into this, you know, bush, the shrub that is on fire. And it's peculiar to him because it's burning, but it's not being, you know, you guys have heard the story before. So the angel of the Lord is inside this bush, and the angel of the Lord makes clear the name of God to Moses. It had never been revealed to anybody up to that point. Abraham only knew God as El Shaddai. Up to this point, they, you know, had heard the word Elohim before. But at this particular moment, the flame is burning, and the angel of the Lord speaks to Moses and declares the name Yahweh, the true nature and character of God. I am. And then what happens? The angel of the Lord says, don't come any further. Take off your shoes, because the place on which you're standing is holy ground. Holy ground. 
When I think about that and how it ties this connection to that upper room and how the flame of God descended on 120 simple, ordinary, earthbound shrubs, but who are not bound by their roots in one place, they can go and walk and they can declare the true identity of God and everywhere they put their feet is holy ground. This is not the point of the message, but Clemson FCA, I wonder if the flame of God in you might just take you to some places on this campus that the enemy has tried to claim for evil, but that you might be able to step onto those places and simply be a flaming tree who can speak the name of God and turn that spot into holy ground. I think that this is a part of your inheritance as Clemson MCA to walk around this campus with its history and all of the good things and all of the evil. And you might be able to step onto that place and to say the word of Jesus Christ and his blood has the final say over this spot. I think this is, this is a part of your inheritance. So anyway, so the flame of God, Holmes Hall 401, gosh. I mean, that was the start of every beautiful thing that began to happen in my life. But I wanted to tell you, so as our church grew, as all of the things began to happen for New Spring Church, because we're talking about the reconciliation of the bride and bridegroom. And when we think about the bride, the bride is the church collected. It's not just me, but it's all of us together in this cosmic, supernatural, eternal type of union with Jesus Christ. It is a deep, deep mystery. But our, my, in my microcosm, New Spring became kind of that, and it exploded. There was so much of this life and growth in the early 2000s. I mean, we were, thousands of people were coming to church after this. I'm like, my head is spinning. I can't even believe it. I mean, this is amazing. Leading worship, doing the whole nine yards, and it's like people keep coming in. People keep getting saved. All of these lives are getting changed to where by the time that we're looking at it in 2015, there are like 30,000 people coming to this church in cities all over South Carolina. I mean, it is insane. And then something really crazy happened. We faced a moment of genuine trial where we had to part ways with our founding pastor because of a moral failure. We had to fire our founding pastor. This was the biggest wake-up call in the world because what I had realized, not just about our church, but about me personally, was that I had become a gold digger in my marriage to Jesus. And so had our church, where we had gone beyond being in relationship with the man just for the man himself, and we had said, I'm cool with your glory, Jesus, as long as I can get a little bit too. I'm cool with your glory, God, as long as I can have some influence and fame and all these other things that kind of go along with it. I like traveling places. I like people knowing who I am. All of that stuff was everywhere. The grease of it was everywhere. And God, in one moment, granted us a, such a wake-up call, a gift of humility, humiliation in that moment that changed everything. And through tears, I remember driving to work after all this stuff shaking out with my wife, and I am sobbing on the way because this dream of a church I feel like is at risk now and is possibly going to die. We're going to have to close the doors. That's what we thought at the time. And I went back to this moment in Holmes Hall 401, and I said, Jesus, I did not get in to this thing in order to build the church, to be an influencer, to be 
to make an impact, to see any of that stuff, to have a comfortable salary, to, you know, any of the things that we currently enjoy right now. I didn't get into it for any of that. I got into it just for you to live is Christ, to die is gain. You are everything to me, Jesus. If you, wherever you're going is where I'm going. This became the renewal of my soul and the renewal of our church. We came face to face with the idea that a church about God is better for people than a church that's about people. Did y'all catch that? And so this is not a talk about, about the inner workings of a church, so don't, don't hear me wrong. But this was the, one of the biggest revelatory things is that we had gotten all about what does everyone out here in the world think? How can we market well in order to get people in and, and do all the right things in order to see impact? We want to see people saved. We want to see all this impact. And I mean, I think it was well motivated. But we were off in that we had lost our first love. It was there that the richness of Psalm 27 came roaring into the battlefield of that season of my life. And that song, that song, I mean, this is going to be really familiar to some of you guys, but it says, the Lord is my light. And this is a battle song. This is David. This is, this is a poem, a song written by a warrior, somebody who had had blood on his hands. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I was preaching that myself every day. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, it is they who stumble and fall. Though war rise against me, my heart will not fear. Though an army encamp around me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, and that will I seek after, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You see this strange thing that got put right there? Exclusive devotion to Jesus Christ. The burning flame for Jesus himself became the best weaponry and protection in any battle that we might go through. Because then it says, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. And he will lift me high upon the, upon the rock. And now shall my head be lifted above my enemies all around me. I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. And I will sing and make melody to the Lord. I mean, you see this victory that's stirring up inside this? When you're in a battle moment, instead of fighting, maybe turn to loving. It's the exclusive devotion that we point at Jesus Christ becomes the thing that heals us, that sets us free, that brings us back into the safety of protection. Is anybody feeling me right now? He's everything. He's it. So let's talk about reconciliation for just a moment. I want to show, share with you guys this word from Revelation. Because this, this really, I think, sums up this idea of reconciliation between the bride and the bridegroom. And it's one of, one of the letters to the churches. And this is specifically to the church in Ephesus. So I want to read you guys this. This is Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. John the Revelator, exiled on the island of Patmos, receives this from Jesus Christ himself. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. These are the angels. The Greek word for angel just simply means messenger. So this could be either 
the leaders of those churches or the angels themselves. He holds those seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. So this lampstands are the churches themselves. So the, when you read that, think this is the Jesus who is holding us all and walking among us. Verse 2, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil. But you've tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing it for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. This is Jesus' encouragement to a body of people who have really worked hard, who have tried to do the right thing, who by their will and by their effort have kept themselves pure, who have tried to like walk straight and narrow and do the right stuff. But they've missed it. They've missed it. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I'll grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. You've forgotten your first love. But I do hold it, uh, but I'm glad that you hate the works of the Nicolaitans. What were the works of the Nicolaitans? There's a lot of guesswork around this. But one opinion is that the Nicolaitans were wife swapping and husband swapping. And they were doing this and saying, the grace of God allows for us to be free and have open marriages. And Jesus is clearly saying, I hate that too. Because what I intended was for my relationship to you to be on fire and exclusive in this devotion that we have. Marriage is a mirror for what our relationship with Christ is supposed to look like. Exclusive. This on fire, this flame that cannot be quenched, that cannot be put out. So there's three instructions from Christ. Remember and repent and do the things you did at first. One of the things that I wanted to share with you guys tonight was just a, a little window into what the early church did at first, specifically around the idea of prayer. Prayer would have been one of those things that they would have done. This was a Jewish-born kind of thing. And the Jews prayed three times a day. They had this morning, noon, and evening prayer rhythm. Psalm 55, verse 17 sums it up like this. Evening and morning at noon, O Lord, you hear my voice. If you go into Daniel, the prophet Daniel gets in trouble, right? Because he's praying at noon, and then he gets cast into the, the lion's den. The early church brought this into themselves. Jesus himself did this. If you can read this into the Gospels, even in the book of Acts, you see that these guys are going to the place of prayer in the morning, in the midday, in the evening. Crazy things are happening when they do this. It's possible that the church in Ephesus had lost their passion for simple communication with Jesus. One of the things that I want to put in front of you guys tonight as Clemson FCA is that the next massive revival and breakthrough on this campus could be on the other side of your intentional and corporate gathering in prayer. There may be something wild that God wants to break out in your dorm room, in the, in the places and spaces where you go on this campus, just simply by you stopping and saying, Abba, Father, would you come? Set me on fire and inhabit this place. Amazing, right? So, someone who would like to come and play keys may now do so. We'll go ahead and make that simple and easy segue. One of the things that I, I wanted to share with you guys is the, the overflow of, of that moment where I realized I had been a gold digger in my relationship with Jesus 
it, it burned something into me that I don't feel like I'm ever going to come back from. All of the success or the fame or the security in the world, it doesn't, it doesn't hold a candle to Jesus. He is the best of all his gifts. The experience of walking with him, enjoying life with him, it's everything. It's simply everything. And the thing I realize about tonight is that some of you may have never had your upper room experience, your Holmes Hall 401 experience like I did. You may have never had it. That, so like if Jesus comes to you and says, you've forgotten the love you had at first, you may have never even discovered something like that. I'm just here to tell you, this season of your life when you're here at Clemson is God trying to put his fire on you. And I just wonder tonight if you might want to put yourself in the way of that. So everyone right now, would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? To begin, I want to simply communicate the simple gospel. For some of you in here tonight, you may, you may have heard about Jesus, you may have grown up in church, you may have bought into the lie that good people go to heaven and that you just got to do good stuff, but you don't know what I'm talking about tonight. You've never heard God's voice, you've never really considered him to be a real friend that you can have in your life. And so I just want to communicate to you this. The Bible is very clear that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But because of God's great love for us, he sent his son Jesus to die for us while we were still in our broken state. And it was important for him to do that because the wages of sin is death. But this free gift, this salvation, this free gift, this flame, this free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so, if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I just want to give that simple invitation tonight. If you want what I've been describing, if you know you don't have it, but you're desperate for it, I just want you to put your hand up. No one looking around. If you want that, if you want that relationship with Jesus, that flame, that on fire, that sense of everything is enough and everything is going to be okay. If that's you, I just want you to put your hand in there because I want to pray for you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So if that's you, I just want you to pray this simple prayer of salvation. I want you to say, dear Jesus, I confess you are Lord and I believe you are alive God raised you from the dead save me forgive me of my sins I surrender to you come now fill me with your spirit you are mine and I If you raised your hand, I want you to take just 10 seconds, and I want you to pray now in your own words and ask God to speak to you and to talk to you and listen. Let's take just a moment in quiet for that.
thank you, Jesus. I saw several hands around the room that, that um, just now prayed to receive Christ. Y'all, can we put our hands together for those who just prayed to receive Jesus? Thank you, God. I just want to encourage you, if, the, if that was you and you raised your hand, I want you to tell somebody. One of these FCA leaders, tell Elijah, one of the band members, just tell somebody. Because when we do this together, our flames burn brighter. Here's another invitation, you guys. And this is one that I feel like is perhaps going to hit more of us. You've come to Clemson. You're doing your thing. You grew up in church. You're coming to Clemson FCA. But you do not have this fire burning like I have been talking about. And you want an upper room experience. You want to be filled with the Spirit. When we are saved, God deposits into us His Spirit. But then the Scriptures say, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, which means be being filled, which means come and receive again to overflowing again and again and again. So with every head bowed, with every eye closed, I want you to search your heart and ask God, may I have more of you? And if that's you and you want more of God, you want whatever way, whatever, however it comes, if you want more of God, I want you to stand up right now. If you know that's you and you're like, I don't care what it takes, I gotta have him. I gotta have more of him. I gotta have more of God. I gotta have him right now. Praise the Lord. Just put your hands out in front of you. Luke 11 is so clear. Jesus talks about praying and he says God will not refuse the request for the Holy Spirit so just place your hands out in front of you in a posture of receiving in the name of Jesus I bless each and every one of you with a fresh filling of the Spirit of God that you might be filled with all boldness, that you might, that the flame inside you might roar to life, that you might be filled to overflowing with all of his joy, that you might find yourself awakening with this strange hunger for the scriptures, that you might find yourself spilling the gospel out of your mouth and you just don't even know what's happening, you're just telling, telling people about God, that there would be a difference in your life starting today. God sees your desire and is going to fill it. If you want more of him, he is going to fill you. And so right now where you stand, I want you to take 10 seconds and just pray, ask God for more, and thank him for what he's doing in your life right now. Take 10 seconds, just talk to him. seeing in just a moment. And before we do, I want to give you guys this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you 
Some of you have never gained an ounce of approval from your earthly father. And Abba Father is here today through the work of Jesus Christ to put his smile on your life. He approves of you. He loves you. He cares about you. you. Some of you have never heard your dad tell you, I love you. I'm here to tell you tonight, Abba Father, the maker of the heavens and the earth, is here to pour out his love into your ears tonight. The Lord lift up his countenance, his smile upon you. He sees you. He loves you just as you are tonight. And may the Lord give you everlasting and aggressive shalom. May God grant to you a peace that follows you into every room that you enter and it suffocates every power of darkness. A peace that is so real, it begins to change the way you think about what you see in the mirror. And you are able to say, full of faith, ladies, how lovely, O Lord, is your dwelling place. No more lies. Only peace. Only shalom. Only wholeness. I bless you in Jesus' name for all these good gifts. Let's sing now. Let's sing now, brothers and sisters, and let the flame arise. Let there be a flame here in Clemson. Let there be a flame, a wild flame that transforms this campus.